You're listening to Beyond the Ribbon, a podcast of the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center. This podcast is brought to you by Kia of Amarillo, proud member of the Auto Inc. family of dealerships. Be sure to check out their website at kiaofamarillo.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? Pam, I'm great. How about yourself? I'm good, too. And, um, you know, I like learning. And whenever I went to ONS, um, which is the National Conference for Oncology Nurses, and um, there's always a place to learn. And I came across, um, they have these this whole room of booths of different, different vendors. And I came across something that I thought maybe our listeners would like to learn about. And, you know, whenever we talk about lung cancer, and um, the first thing that pops into our head is what? Smoking. Smoking, yeah. It is linked, but you don't have to ha- smoke in order to get lung cancer. So I hope our listeners are ready for an educational podcast um, all about lung cancer. You know, Pam, um, I would imagine most everyone said the exact same thing I did, that smoking, it, it, that's, what, that's what causes lung cancer. And I know a handful of people who never smoked a day in their life and they had lung cancer and it's confusing, right? It is. Um, you know, that's what we want to, we want to jump to is, oh, you must have smoked. But that's right. Yeah. As I talked to our guests today, one of the things that really stuck out in my mind is if you have lungs, you're at risk. True. You know, uh, I think that would be a safe thing probably to say about uh, all cancers. If you, you know, if you have a prostate, you're at risk for prostate cancer. If you have breasts, you are at risk for breast cancer. And gosh, that's a terrible thing, to, a terrible way to think. But that really is true, right? It is. It is. It is. Well, I tell you, I'll quit rambling. Uh, but I, I and, and get to our guest. I think um, there's a lot to learn here around lung cancer. There's a lot of new advancements. There's a lot of um, new screenings, and I say new, it's not so new, but um, it's becoming more widely accepted. I know that in both of our previous lives, Pam, um, I kind of helped get going, uh, I say I loosely, I figured out how we can make lung cancer screening work at our treatment center, and gosh, you know, it's just so hard to get people screened. It's not like household, like getting a PSA done or getting a, a mammogram done or a colonoscopy done, it's becoming, it's, it's, it's slowly building up steam. So I'm sure we'll talk about all of these things, but let's introduce our guest. Um, yeah, you, you found our guest at ONS conference and is super excited, uh, you guys, to introduce to you uh, Christy Griffith. Uh, Christy works for um, a, a, a group called Longevity. Uh, it's an organization called Longevity. And so we want to talk about longevity. But let me tell you about Christy. Um, what's cool about this, Pam, is she's kind of like you. Um, she's a, a survivorship navigator. You know, and we say Pam is our adult survivorship nurse. Um, but really and truly, I, I distinctly remember you saying, gosh, early in the early days, I feel like I'm a navigator on the tail end as opposed to the navigator that helps them when they're during treatment. So I, I'm anxious to ask Christy. Christy, thanks for joining us all the way from uh, Central Texas, North Texas area, Midlothian, uh, over by Waxahachie. Uh, thank you for joining us. 
Thank you for having me, Ryan and Pam. Pam, it was wonderful to meet you at ONS, and I am delighted to spend time with you uh, for today's podcast. Well, good. Did did I did I uh, summarize a little bit? Do you feel kind of like the as it is the survivorship navigator? As Pam told me, you know, you're 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 not necessarily navigating maybe so much during treatment, but maybe more so on the tail end. You know, navigation, nurse navigators, patient navigators, their role varies based on the organization. So for those that are listening, those patients, survivors, caregivers, care partners, co-survivors, whatever you call yourself, if you have not had a chance to reach out at your organization to find who your navigator is, do so. Uh, they wear a variety of hats. In my role at Longevity, I have the privilege of supporting lung cancer survivors that are just diagnosed, new in treatment, through treatment, all the way into late survivorship. So I have the privilege of supporting those at any touch point along, along their lung cancer path. So let's start out. What is Longevity? Longevity is one of the nation's leading nonprofits for all things lung cancer. We have a shared vision of a world where no one dies of lung cancer, and everything that we do is to improve the quality of life for those on a lung cancer path and extend their lives. You know, as Pam and I were talking uh, in our opening about, well, obviously, if you have lung cancer, it's because you smoked. And I know that that is a, a huge myth. I, I'm, I just want to turn the podcast over to you, Christy, for a moment and, and let you, because I know that is something that you guys uh, work through, deal with. I mean, how in the world could I have lung cancer? I never smoked a day in my life. Um, talk to our listeners about that. Oh my goodness, stigma, stigma <laughs> in lung cancer exists. And I think it was Pam that said at the very beginning, if you have lungs, you can get lung cancer. 60 to 65% of people diagnosed with lung cancer are either never smokers or have stopped smoking within the 15 to 20 years prior. 60, so, 65%, wow. That's a big number. I had no idea. That I mean, it is high, but I had number. no idea it was that high. So what are some That's of right. the risks for lung cancer besides tobacco use? There are environmental risks, pollution, radon. Um, if you have lungs, you can get lung cancer. There's not just a genetic link. There can be, but by and large, they're not familial. Um if you have lungs, you can get lung cancer. Does age play a factor? You know, the majority of the patients that we serve are into adulthood, but sadly, there are young adults, very young adults that we see being diagnosed with lung cancer as well in their 20s and 30s. Wow. That's too young. It is very young. It yeah. is. 
we see, um, we have noticed, Pam and I have had uh, countless conversations about the the younger and younger folks are getting diagnosed. And sometimes you think, well, maybe that's because we're doing a good job of screening and we're catching it early, but that doesn't mm. necessarily always translate, does it? It does not. It does not. We at Longevity have just launched an early lung cancer center and are very excited about this. The majority of patients that are diagnosed with lung cancer are diagnosed with late stage disease, meaning a stage three or a stage four lung cancer. So the key is getting more people screened so they can be diagnosed earlier. Currently, only 20% of patients diagnosed are stage one or two. So we've got a lot of work to do in that regard. That number is way too low. Well, let's let's jump. You you opened up the door there. Let's jump right into some screening discussions here. Um, and you know, we really like to, uh, Christy. We like to just say, let's start at the basics. Now, let's talk about how does someone get screened. What does that screening look like? And then let's talk about kind of the specifics of who can be screened. And and because I, I know there's some there's some some benchmarks that have to be met, right? There are. So currently screening focuses around just what we've talked about. Someone with a significant smoking history uh, that is over the age, over a certain age and has a certain pack year history. And so um, a lot of effort is being put into making screening more accessible. If you have a 15, 20 year smoking, a uh, pack year smoking history, uh, or you're over the age of 45 to 50, Talk with your primary care physician. Ask for a screening. Ask for a lung screening. And we oh. often I'm talking about advocating for yourself. This is a time if you have that history, if you have those risk factors of tobacco use, if you've had been around air pollution, family history, age, it's important that you talk to your primary care doctor so that you can get those early screenings. That's right. So let's let's do this, Christy. I want to touch on that again. You said 45 to 50, correct? That's correct. The main thing is to have that conversation with your provider, whether you're currently smoking or you have stopped smoking, you've achieved smoking cessation, have yeah. the conversation with your provider. All right. And then the next now, thing. Now, if you're symptomatic, if you're symptomatic, then it's not necessarily a screening, right? Then it's a diagnostic workup. Yeah. If you have that persistent cough, if you if you notice that you're more short of breath, things like that, then that falls into a diagnostic workup versus the yeah. screening. Yeah, we don't want you waiting until you're 45 or 50 if you're 40 and you have those persistent symptoms. But let's let's touch on the second piece you said about the pack year history, because I know when we first started, when 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 um, lung screening first came out, that was the most confusing thing about what a pack year history means. And even being in that world for a period of time, I still can't remember what the pack year history meant. So touch on that, if you would, please. Sure. So. Um... At the risk of trying to do big math here uh, in the afternoon, if you smoke one pack a day for 20 years, you have a 20 pack year history. Yeah. If you smoke two packs a day 
for 10 years. That's a 20 pack year history. Yeah. It, it, math can be real fuzzy sometimes, but this, I think I said that correctly. No, yeah, I think you did too. Here's the thing. The takeaway from that is you guys listening, the takeaway from that is you got to be honest with yourself. Uh, right. Maybe it was just a half a pack a day. It wasn't really a full, right, Pam? You can't fudge right. the numbers. Kind of like alcohol. You ask somebody how much, how many beers they have a day and they say two. Uh-oh. You know, it's safe to double that. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's safe to double what um, some patients say about their uh, smoking history. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Now, here's what I will say this real fast. Um, I, I was unaware that the age had dropped down to that low because I remember in the early days of this process, I mean, wasn't it, Christy, wasn't it like, you, it's it's like 70 to 75 or 60 to see. I mean, it was like this big number. I can't remember what it was. Um, it was quite a bit older when they first started. And then um, it was, it was just barely scratching the surface getting going. And so I'm super excited that it's now, as you said, 45 ish to 50 ish in that range. The takeaway from that is what if you're 44? What if you're 51? Talk to your doctor. I know that's the same thing we talked about previously, Pam, about a PSA test. Well, it says 45. What if you're 44? Talk with your doctor. Talk, Talk with to your doctor, doctor and you might meet, meet that criteria to get screened. That's right. What about screening? Is there a special test for screening? So a screening is done with the use of a low-dose CT. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference between the low dose and then a regular CT? Well, I'll tell you what it is, Pam, because I do remember this. It deals low dose versus regular CT is the amount of radiation you get. Um, It's a very, it's a very small dose because I remember having those discussions um, because the, the problem was the people who did not want to early adopt this they were saying it's unnecessary radiation. You're giving them CT. Like they don't need a CT. That's in it. Well, it's a low dose CT. So um, I think if I remember correctly, and I, I will probably get this wrong and I want Christy, I won't hold you to it, but I believe it's about like what you would get if you went to the orthopedic doctor for an x-ray. I mean, I think it's a very low dose radiation. It's uh, a very low dose and it doesn't require the full strength CT. Yeah. To, you know, to keep it simple. Here's here's the next thing that I can feel. See, I have this I have this weird sense in, in my head. I feel our listeners thinking of this question. This all sounds great, but is my insurance going to cover it? And I distinctly remember, I keep going back to the old days because I don't believe it's th- that way now, that at that time it was not covered by insurance at all. And if I'm not mistaken, now insurance has started to accept this, haven't they? More insurance companies do provide lung screening. Again, um, work with your provider on getting that establishing care, reporting to them what your symptoms or your status is, and let work through your provider in order to get that screening, most definitely. Awesome. So... For the, our and listeners. if an insurance company denies, then, you know, we, we hear all the time in our, we have a wonderful longevity family uh, full of survivors 
And we talk every week in our virtual meetups about insurance and denials. And so if your insurance ever denies something, go back to your physician, talk about it. They can appeal, they can submit more clinical documentation. The, the bottom line is getting you, the patient, the appropriate diagnostics, treatment, scans, what, whatever that is that, that's needed, that's indicated. So there are processes for appealing things should they be denied. So for our listeners that say, okay, well, I've already done this screening, I've been diagnosed. What is out there for them at longevity? Thank you for asking, Pam. Um, know that you can visit our website, longevity.org. We have tremendous resources available. First off, what is lung cancer? We, you know, if you've never been touched or had a family member or someone you care about go through this, oftentimes the CT, the low dose CT and MRI, if you don't understand exactly what's been ordered, go to our lung cancer 101 section. It's indeed a comprehensive guide to understanding the basics of lung cancer, um, how lung cancer develops, how it's identified, the different types of lung cancer, and other information to help you give a, to give a good foundational understanding of what it is and what tests are being done. You know, oftentimes we discourage our listeners to Google, but this is a great um, resource for um, people that are suffering from lung cancer. Yes. And I will second that and say, add this to it. And I know that we've talked about it a few times and we've had several. I, I go back to Dr. Sherry Prentice when she came on and she talked about when she was diagnosed with her breast cancer, she was going to be an expert about her breast cancer and knowing all the things she could possibly know from a reputable source. And so, you know, it, it is very important that you understand, as Christy said, what this test means, what that test means, you know, why this, why that? Because again, as we've said countless times, be your best advocate. I was on your website earlier today and there is, I mean, you could spend hours on there learning lots of good information, lots of resources, um, just a, a great place to go. I want to come back to what you said about your virtual meetups. Tell us about your virtual meetups. Well, we host a variety of support groups and we call them virtual meetups because that sounds friendlier. It's a little more inviting. So every week, our patient services survivorship team hosts a variety of these events. Uh, we we use the Zoom platform. I think most of us prior to the pandemic weren't super familiar with Zoom, but I think the last two to three years, yeah. we've, we've all honed our skill, perhaps. Yes. So we do use the Zoom platform. And every week on Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 Central, if you're here in Texas, uh, we have a general meetup. I have the privilege of hosting that meetup. We have survivors not only across the state of Texas, but all across our country that that log in to share their updates. Um, you know, the we have such a loving community. Uh, the the depth of these connections and friendships. No one understands the path of lung cancer 
better than someone else that's that's on it, that's walking the same path, maybe newly diagnosed, maybe a little further along than you are. So Tuesday each week, we have a general meetup. Any, ta- any type, subtype of lung cancer, any stage, whether you're a caregiver, a patient, everybody's welcome. Ryan, those meetups were such a success. Uh, we we heard our constituents, and we've now offered onc gene or subtype mutation specific meetups as well. There's so much that transcends the different subtypes of lung cancer. There's great value in participating in that Tuesday meetup. Um, things like the diagnostics, uh, scanxiety, symptom management, mm-hmm. those things oftentimes are are universal. Um, On Wednesdays each week, we host oncogene-specific. So if you're a lung cancer patient, say, with the EGFR mutation, maybe maybe you have ALK, maybe KRAS, maybe you have a rare mutation or small cell lung cancer, we have meetups on alternating Wednesdays just for you. In addition to that, we have a separate group for caregivers or care partners. Yeah. Survivors aren't allowed in that group. That's just for as, as we tell our, our survivors, those are for the patients that, uh, those in your life that love you. It's a special gathering just for them. Yeah. You know, we talk about finding your community. What a great way to find your specific community yeah. and I, learn from each other. I was just thinking the exact same thing. I was like, that right there, you know, we talk about a mentorship, you know, and we and we partner, if you're listening, we partner with Fourth Angel. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole thing about Fourth Angel, but it, it it matches you up with someone as closely related to your diagnosis, your age, and so forth. You can find that on our website, uh, the number 24survivorship.org, and it's under the mentoring tab. But what a great way to have a room full of mentors Um, Or in that case, you may be a mentor for someone fresh into lung cancer. When you're in a room with every single person has a very similar diagnosis as you, not just the big umbrella of lung cancer, but the specific. That's that's amazing. So, Christy, you also do an in-person event, too, correct? We we do. We do. Um, and I did want to comment on what Ryan said. At Longevity, we also have a lifeline peer-to-peer mentor program. Yeah. So we can match patients or caregivers um, with like type, like subtype um, of mutation type. Maybe there there's a survivor that wants to get connected with another survivor that's treated. Maybe they live in the same area or they maybe they want to get connected with someone that gets treated at the same system or something like that. So we have that ability as well. In addition to that, we have a clinical trial ambassador Mm. program. We know that clinical trials and the mention of clinical trials can be scary if you're not familiar with that and it's an unchartered water, an unfamiliar path to you. So to that point, we can connect someone that maybe is considering participating in a clinical trial with someone else that's been on a clinical trial that's maybe a little further along that can share their personal experience. So our community has found that incredibly helpful as well. You guys have it all. Damn, you, 
this is the tip of the iceberg. There's so many amazing resources to share. Pam just asked about two survivorship events that when she and I spent some time together, I mentioned to Pam. We actually just had our International Lung Cancer Survivorship Conference. Uh, we call it the ILCSC. It's a big, long acronym, right? And that's a virtual education conference for people with lung cancer, caregivers, advocates, healthcare providers. This conference really focuses on the research hearing from world-renowned researchers on those latest treatments and more. We just had the International Lung Cancer Survivorship Conference last week. I am so proud to share that we had over 900 attendees from over 62 different countries. Wow. It clearly the state of the science. Uh, it's incredible information. If you would like to sign up for that conference, registration is still open and the recorded sessions are going to be available through December. If I heard correctly, that's been extended. Wow. So you can go to longevity.org, click on the events tab at the top of our web at the web at the top of our website web page and you can access the registration for that there are also in that conference individual breakout sessions on those subtypes of lung cancer so uh information on small cell which is an aggressive but a little a rarer type of lung cancer kras egfr alk and all and more so know that you can get that information as well Pam, when you and I spent time together, our HOPE Summit was the following week. Our HOPE Summit is an incredible in-person event. And I we do have the date for 2024. I'd love to announce that. It's the first week of May. That's May 3rd to 5th, 2024. And it's held this coming year. It's going to be in Atlanta, Georgia. The Hope Summit, um, this is an in-person weekend conference designed to educate, inspire, and empower anyone who's been affected by lung cancer. Uh, whether you're a caregiver, a patient, we had children that came to our Hope Summit this past year in 23. Mm -hmm. It was an incredible, incredible weekend. It is a true celebration of life with the focus, it's less scientific, it's less sciencey, and it truly has a focus on living well with lung cancer, focused on those those types of programs and topics. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, please make sure that you uh that you check out our website. And lung cancer awareness month is November, and y'all have something exciting coming up for that, correct? Oh, we always have exciting events and things going on throughout the year. Pam is exactly right. November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month, and there are a variety of programs that are happening mm -hmm. uh, at Longevity. I would like to mention that you can go and access educational resources and literature for free on our website. And many healthcare organizations, nurse navigators like Pam and others can reach out and request. There, there are oftentimes events that 
different systems or hospitals have. And so you can visit our site and download booklets, brochures, uh, information on getting diagnosed, treatment modalities such as, of course, chemo radiation, targeted immunotherapies, the different types, the different stages of lung cancer, of course, types like squamous cell and small cell. But there are there's a tremendous amount of resources that can be ordered online. If you're a patient or a caregiver, you can visit that page. If you're representing an organization, they can be sent to your cancer center. So you have good, up-to-date literature that's evidence-based for your own individual lung cancer awareness events as well. I told you, Pam, there is a ton of information on their website. There is, there is so much. So let's do this before we keep going. And that some of our listeners may be saying, what is the website again? It's longevity, L-U-N-G-E-V-I-T-Y.org, longevity.org. Um, I want to make sure and throw That's that. That's correct. We'll, we'll hit that again at the very end. Um, you what, bet. Christy, what what else is new uh, that's going yeah. on within the world of lung cancer? Oh my goodness! You know, as I know that I know that is that is a potentially like opening a Pandora's box because, like with every other cancer, there's so many new things. You you hit a word a second ago, immunotherapy. I know there's different kinds of testing that go on. So, touch on a few yes. things that are new, if you don't mind. Let's do it. Let's do it. So the the field of lung cancer has just exploded with new targeted and immunotherapy treatments. And as survivors here in our groups, the comment that there's never been a better time to have a lung cancer diagnosis. Um, years ago, we didn't have this thing called precision medicine. And it may be, you may know of it as genetic testing, molecular testing, uh, something by, you know, it's got multiple names, but bio precision medicine is kind of the uh, biomarker testing is the cornerstone, if you will, of precision medicine. And we have a campaign at Longevity called No One Missed. It is imperative that patients diagnosed with lung cancer, specifically non-small cell lung cancer, that they talk with their provider, their care team, to make sure that they are getting comprehensive biomarker testing. So a biomarker is an indicator. Um, it, it can indicate a disease. Um, it can indicate what treatment might be most beneficial uh, it can determine how aggressive a particular subtype or a disease can be. It's important to know if you have a biomarker because some of them have are actionable and have treatments targeted specifically to that biomarker. Wow. So it's very important to ask your treatment, your oncology team, if you've had biomarker testing. If you have a biomarker, if it's actionable or if there's a treatment for it to make sure that you get the right treatment at the right time, comprehensive biomarker testing must be done before any treatment starts. So oftentimes it's confusing for survivors as to, but why do I have to wait? Why does it take two weeks? I've got lung cancer. I need to get started right now today. It's really important to know what you have so you get the best treatment. 
indeed. That makes me think, Pam, when we did our um, podcast uh, on the update on genetics and, right. you know, how important genetic testing is, just like this, the biomarker testing, um, it can it, it can cut off some treatment time, right? I mean, there could instead of a trial and uh, this didn't you didn't respond to this, you didn't respond to that, the biomarker can help determine if you will respond or won't respond. That's right. Biomarker testing should be done at the beginning at diagnosis. And then it's done at period periodically at intervals throughout. It, should there be a recurrence or other issues that come up? Uh, and of course, it can be done on tissue as well as blood. They can do a blood test. So it doesn't necessarily require a procedure to get tissue. Yeah. The main thing is be knowledgeable, know your options, advocate for yourself, and talk with your, your navigator, with your oncology team. Again, you can visit longevity.org for more information on biomarker testing, what it is, and what you need to know about it. So, Christy, is there anything else that our listeners should know about longevity or about lung cancer that you would like to discuss? Again, there's never been a better time to have a lung cancer diagnosis. While it's scary, uh, there have been more treatments that have evolved that we now have available than what we've had the last 20, 25 years. So it's it's incredible. Um, definitely get connected with longevity, uh, with our organization. Be a good advocate for yourself. Know your team, ask questions. Of course, on our site, we've also got uh, information to help patients that are perhaps new on a lung cancer path, questions to ask your provider and more. You know, one thing that we haven't discussed is prevention. Is there anything that is out there for prevention? If you have lungs, you can get lung cancer. You know, more research is being done about the environmental effects, um, radon and, and pollution and, and all of these things. But the reality is lung cancer is not just a smoker's disease. If you have lungs, you can get lung cancer. Uh, listen to your body. We all know our bodies than anyone else, right? Know if you have a, if you, if you're symptomatic or if you have a smoking history, request, talk with your provider, request that early screening if you're indeed eligible for that or report any symptoms. Keep working with your team. You know, clinical Ron, trials. I will say that clinical trials, clinical trials are incredible. Clinical trials are the way that you can get tomorrow's treatment today. Yeah. Right. Ron, I'm going to put you on this spot. You know, um, Harrington Cancer and Health Foundation has so many different pieces and parts, but they have a big part on um, prevention, I feel like, for lung cancer. Would you like to talk about a tobacco-free amarillo? Yes. yes. One of the things, Pam, that there's there's things along the way through my cancer um, life, if you will, you know, working at, at a cancer center, transitioning into survivorship and being, you know, with the survivorship center, there, there are monumental things that just like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'll never forget um, one of the uh, times when they used to do this in the pink luncheon. 
And uh, it was about breast cancer, obviously, because they're talking about pink, right? So uh, you may be saying, why are you talking about this? Because this is a lung podcast. It's not pink. Well, the very they had a speaker come in from Duke University. And the very first thing he said was, he said, I'm here to tell you the one thing you can do. Everybody wants to know, what can we do to prevent? What can we do to prevent? What can we do? And he said, the very, the most impactful thing you can do to prevent getting any type of cancer, any type of cancer, is to not smoke. And if you smoke, quit smoking. And then he went on, on into his presentation. And so that kind of leads right into what you're saying, Pam. So at our foundation, we have an organization called um, Tobacco Free Amarillo. And uh, I would encourage you guys, again, to go back and listen to our smoking cessation podcast that we did. Um, uh, I guess that was season one, I think, Pam, right? In a while back. And here we are in season three. Um, but go back and find it. Now, here's what Tobacco Free Amarillo does. Tobacco Free Amarillo does uh, a couple of things, and they do them both very well. Number one is they, they uh, work on cessation, as we've talked about, promoting cessation. If you are smoking and you are trying to quit, you can't quit, you've tried, you know, different studies say different things, right? It takes 42 times for someone to quit before they'll finally quit or whatever that number is. I don't think it's 42, but I'm just throwing that out there. It takes a lot, um, you know, and it's always um, the, the great American smokeout should be coming up in November sometime. And, you know, there's all these things. Well, Tobacco Free Amarillo has smoking cessation classes that provide free quit aids. Now, what does that look like? That is free gum, lozenges, or patches to help you quit. Now, the other thing is, and it's and it's Mayo certified teaching. It's not just somebody like Ryan standing up there and saying, you got to quit smoking, take this gum and chew it. That's not it. It's scientific-based. It's evidence-based. It comes from the Mayo Clinic, for crying out loud. Um, it's good stuff. And um, it's usually a two-session deal. And you will be eligible for a certain number of patches. It's not going to be a year's worth, but it's it's eligible for a certain number of patches and lozenge or lozenges or gum, you know, mainly to make sure it's kind of like getting samples, right? When you go to the doctor to make sure this medicine is going to work for you uh, to make sure that it's going to work. So that's the first thing is cessation. And I think it's very important that if you want to quit, get help. You don't have to quit cold turkey. And I, I tell this story all the time, right, Pam, my grandpa was the uh, poster child uh, for, for the wrong way to quit smoking. He quit smoking by chewing tobacco. So um, it, it's not, that's not a good way to do it. Just a, a little, just a little side note. But the second thing tobacco-free Amarillo does um, is they have an amazing um, elementary, middle school, and high school program uh, for students at those schools in the Amarillo area. Uh, for them to teach them the, the dangers of smoking and the bad things about smoking. Now, that has now evolved into something, Christy, we didn't talk about is vaping, but that has now evolved into vaping because that's sold as a safer option. And so um, they, they really focus in on getting kids to never start smoking because um, we know if you don't start, you don't have to quit. And so um, they do such a good job with that. And that's a great plug. Thank you, Pam, for reminding us about tobacco-free Amarillo. If you need to get involved in the smoking cessation class, if you need to get involved, the easiest way to do that is just to call the Survivorship Center, uh, 806-331-2400. That's the simplest way. 
uh, because then we'll point you to the right direction and get you signed up. And oh, by the way, those classes are free, entirely free. So Tobacco Free Amarillo, our foundation is going to come alongside you and help you quit smoking. Um, and then that way, reduce your chances of developing lung cancer in the future. That was a long way of getting around to where we are. Just one way to reduce our risk, even though we know lung cancer doesn't always tie to smoking. Correct. Our risk is important. Correct. I will say this. Sounds like a fantastic program. It is. And I tell you, they do such a great job. Uh, the the person that's in charge of that program is so, as an ex-smoker, is so passionate about um, getting kids educated. I tell you, um, I, I tell people this in just a, a quick thing about what they do. Um, they've done such a good job in the elementary school, such a good job of educating um, the dangers and how dangerous it can be to start smoking that you know, kids in elementary school rate tobacco more dangerous than marijuana. And so they have done such a good job of talking about how bad tobacco is and how bad tobacco is um, that they've done a great job on that. The other thing is, so you may be listening and going, why are they spending such a big time on lung cancer? I tell you, I don't know what, what the prevalence is across the nation, Christy, uh, and you guys may have some prevalence numbers, but I'll tell you what it is in our area. Um in, in, in the 26 counties of the Texas Panhandle, which is what we cover, um, which is a large landmass, um, it is the entire Panhandle of Texas. Um, of course, the number one cancer type in our region is breast. Um, and it varies from year to year. Lung cancer usually has overtaken prostate cancer now and is sometimes varying by county more prevalent than breast cancer. Um, and then usually it's breast, lung, prostate, and those lung and prostate kind of flip-flop back and forth. So that's why it's important to talk about this and about the screenings and about the resources because it is becoming so much more prevalent. And I think a lot of that is due to the amount of vaping that's going on. Would you agree, Christy? You know, we don't know the full extent of vaping yet. Uh, you know, there really? are research that are researchers that are very busy and working on learning more about that and the, the impact that vaping has indeed. But to your point, 235,000 cases of lung cancer are diagnosed in the United States every year. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of lung cancer out there. It definitely is. This and of course, lung cancer, as I mentioned earlier, lung cancer is typically diagnosed at an advanced stage three or four. Yeah. yeah. There are more yeah. lung cancer deaths annually than breast, colorectal, and prostate combined. I believe it. Sadly. Yeah. So we've got to do it. We have got to do a better job of getting the word out supporting those on a lung cancer path, making sure that we're promoting some of these initiatives and resources to help get patients the right treatment at the right time. One of the things I'd also like to mention is that we have a helpline at Longevity. And so you can reach out um, to that helpline for free personalized support for patients and caregivers at any time. That number is 844 360-5864. Again, 
360-5864. So no one has to walk this lung cancer path. In addition to our two conferences that I that I'd shared uh, that Pam had asked about, Longevity partners with organizations, not only in Texas, but across the country for in-person learn with longevity events, as well as virtual events. Um, so feel free to reach out to us at any point in time. We, No one has to walk the lung cancer path alone. And our team, we're readily available with a variety of these support programs and more. Ron, it's so cool to learn about different organizations just trying to support survivors out there. And I want to thank Christy so much for coming on today and sharing her knowledge. But that leads us to our last segment. We are sponsored by Auto Inc. Family, would you like to um, share an Auto Inc. inspiring moment with us? Pam, I am inspired by the progress that has been made in the and continues to be made in the treatment of lung cancer. Lung cancer patients are living longer and living better with these new treatment modalities that are now available. There's never been uh, a better time uh, to be on a lung cancer path. And I continue to be encouraged and inspired by the research and the, the progress that's being made. Absolutely. Absolutely. Christy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for um, educating our our listeners. You know, as, as we were talking, Pam, I found myself kind of pondering as I normally do, thinking about, well, how does this relate to what we do? And I thought, my goodness, can you imagine if we tried to do everything? Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. I mean, we do a lot. We do. And I'm not patting my, ourselves on the back. But it's impossible for one organization to do everything. Um, we couldn't add all of this, these services. You know, we couldn't add, you know, the we did that podcast with the lymphoma, uh, um, Leukemia Lymphoma Society. We can't add all of that, those resources in. That's why we have partners like Longevity and all these other organizations who are specifically focused and being able to do the best they can do for that specific type. And they're not doing the yoga and the Tai Chi and the wellness classes like we are in the personal training and then all these things. So it truly takes all of us together to uh, help each person diagnosed with cancer. Absolutely. It takes a team. A it village. does. It really does. So I think this is what's important to take away from here. There's so much information here. This needs to be passed to anyone you know who has lung cancer or has had lung cancer. Um, they need to know about longevity. Maybe you just simply text them longevity.org and leave it at that and tell them to check it out. You know, um, that that it can be as simple as that. I think it's important that anyone who know who has lung cancer or has had lung cancer go to their website. I want to give out that phone number one more time that Christy gave. It's it's 844-360-5864. That's their helpline. And I'll tell you, um, I would be remiss if we didn't give out our helpline, Pam, give out our helpline one more time. It's 806-331-2400. Yeah. If you got questions about lung cancer, we're going to point you to the longevity folks. Um, we're going to, we're going to, uh, educate you about all the things we have to offer. Um, you know, there's one thing 
and Christy's still with us. There's one thing that she didn't talk about. What does it cost to to partake in longevity, um, like your meetups and, and and your resources? What what's the cost? Brian, thank you so much. You're right. We didn't talk about that. All of our resources are absolutely free of charge. There's no cost for any of this. Myself and we, I have an amazing, multi, many amazing colleagues, but Angela, our care navigator, our social work partner on our team, we both do some one-on-one navigation support as well. Uh, in addition to the various groups, educational programs, and more. And uh, what matters to us is companioning, supporting, educating, making sure that those on a lung cancer path, whether you're a caregiver or you're a patient, that you have scientific, evidence-based, timely information and resources without having to Google. Don't Google. Right. Come to a, a respected credible source for information and know that you don't have to walk this path alone. That's right in our price range. It is. And Pam, it is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence that we bring people onto our podcast like Christy and Longevity and other organizations that fit within our budget because we too believe and we know cancer is expensive. There is no way around it. It is expensive. Survivorship, navigation, resources that are available don't have to cost. Though they that's our mission, that's our that's where we live and we're so excited to, when we can bring on folks like Christy and Longevity uh to be a part of our our podcast to share resources that aren't going to cost you anything but time. And I think that's that's a, it's a, an important thing to remember that and bring that up. Christy, thank you again for joining us. Pam, I, I tell you, I learned a lot today. It's another great episode. Another great episode. Um, thank but, you for having me. Well, you are very welcome. I think the day that I don't learn anything from a podcast, it's time to quit doing it. And th- that has not happened just yet. <laughs> oh, well, you guys listening, thank you for joining us. Thank you for, uh, you know, taking notes, passing this on, texting, you know, your friends, your neighbors, your your loved ones who have the uh, cancer or in whatever fashion or work, need to hear whatever episode we've just done. Uh, in this case, lung cancer. Thank you for passing that on. Thank you for sharing that. And next time, make sure to join us again for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Ribbon. We'd like to extend a special thanks to the Auto Inc. family of dealerships as they have supported the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center since 2016. For more information on the Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website at 24survivorship.org.